Hi, everyone. Dr. Mike Grees from Chiropractic Masters International. I want to welcome everyone to our Power Talk on Mastering Objection Management. Now, the purpose of this Power Talk is to really help you take better control of your practice in finances, in care, in retention, in referrals. And the reason why this, this is a mastery, because if you remember the old movie, The Karate Kid, um, <laughs> Mr. Masagi had had um, Ralph Macho uh, wax on and wax off. And, and this is really important because you need to know the objection solutions to the objections before you get there. So I want to walk you through uh, 25 years of, of skillful objection mastery and teach you what I know so that you can wax on and wax off when you have those objections fly at you. And, uh, you know, the whole idea is really to turn a lemon into lemonade uh, as we have these on a regular basis. So during this, I also want you to get out a pen and paper. Now, as I go through these, you might go, oh, yeah, I, I like that, and write that down, or I get this objection all the time. And you want, you're going to want to pencil down some notes. So pen and paper for this one, because this really is a $10,000 lesson from the perspective that there is ways of turning patients who have objections into a raging patient that will be with you for life. So really to define objection management, if a patient has objection, like, for example, taking x-rays or coming three times a week or attending a doctor's report or paying a fee or insurance or spouse, I mean, that list can go on and on. And I'm going to finish off with the 10 most popular objections that I've seen. Understand that objection is really one of two things. It's ignorance, meaning they don't know, or it's confusion and they're looking for a solution. So if we were to redefine objection management, I would say it's a patient who needs a solution based on ignorance or confusion of a situation. And your resolution is to provide a benefit-based solution to their objection. So we're going to go through that, and I want you to really just write down the, the key words. It's, it's benefits and solutions. Really, that's what it's all about. And the result, I guarantee, is going to be a better patient, um, more compliant to care, better conversions, uh, better referrals, and the list goes on and on. So the first thing we want to write down are steps to minimize objections in your practice. So here's a question you have to ask yourself. Why am I getting objections? Especially, number one is repeat objections. So we're going to look at repeat patterns and how can I avoid the same thing that keeps rearing its ugly head? I mean, this is, you know, like the old Bill Murray movie, um, you know, um, where they had uh, the, you know, the, uh, the the same thing happening over and over and over again. You want to watch for repeated objections. And the key to this, we're going to talk about this in a second, is to uh, watch for the repeated objections in your procedures. Uh, for example, uh, you want to make a note if you're having repeated objections and you're going to want to dump it into the doctor's report. I'm going to talk about that in a second. So in order to uh, have repeat objections, the solution is to use the scripts, which is really um, point number two. So watch for repeated objections, make a note, and the next step is to use the scripts. The scripts are designed for reason. I get doctors all the time that will tell me, oh, I don't need scripts, or scripts aren't important, or, you know, I don't want to be robotic. Well, don't be robotic, but the, there's key elements in the scripts that are there for a reason, and that's to avoid the repeated objections that you get. 
So the scripts are really designed to bring prospects to patients and patients to raving lifetime chiropractic advocates. That's what they're there for. So the first thing you want to do is understand repeat patterns. So you keep seeing the same thing coming up, like maybe a person doesn't want to bring the spouse to the doctor's report, or they don't want to come to the doctor's report, or they don't have time to come to the doctor's report. Okay, well, where in the scripts can we find areas of objection management to resolve that? Number two is you're going to start role-playing the scripts, especially with your team members. So you want to train on this. And this is where everybody knows what everybody is saying so that there's no sort of um, overlap. It's, just, it's clear. It's black and white. There's no gray. Number three to minimize objections is remove all emotion. I want you to, to listen to this. This is a, something I remember from Tony Robbins years ago, and he said that he or she who maintains their state management wins. He or she who maintains their state management wins, and it's so true. A number of years ago, I remember um, Judy, my front desk assistant, she got really upset. It was crying, as a matter of fact, because a patient um, had chewed her at the front desk, and I'm saying, well, that, that objection has got nothing to do with you. Why did you get upset? Well, you know, I took it personally. Well, don't. Don't take it personally. Remember, you're running a business, and there's solutions to everything. Always remember that. Anytime there's a challenge or a problem, there's a solution to everything. So the patients might take issue, but simply explain your position and relate it to their benefits. We're always going to come back to a solution and benefit-based solutions for the patient. I had a patient a number of years ago. i, I got to tell you this story. Sheila and... Man, she was upset because she had to come to the doctor's report. We stayed in the boat. We went through our scripts because we knew that a patient at the doctor's report is a better patient. Well, I sat down um, and to go over my report of findings, and she literally took a strip off of me. She chewed me out. She was upset that she had to be there, and, and she went on with every objection she had. And I just sat and I listened to her. I removed all emotion. I didn't get upset. And I just looked at her and I said, Sheila, the reason why we do the doctor's report is because of benefit, 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 benefit. And I calmed her right down. And I said, when you're at the doctor's report and you understand the research and benefits of what we do, you're going to get a better result. And that result is this, this, and this. So it's really important that, one, you watch for repeat patterns. Number two, you know the scripts and you role play with your team. Number three, remove all emotion. And number four, the most important, number one tool to eliminate 80% of your objections. I kid you not. And that is the doctor's report. I have been doing this for about 25 years. And I can honestly say that the number of objections that I get is minimal. And especially in a volume practice or you know, helping build a practice from scratch, we don't get the objections. Why? Because we see the repeats, we put them into our day one, day two, especially the doctor's report, and we eliminate it. For example, you might get objections on money and time, which are the two most common objections you're going to get. Well, you can eliminate that by using um, both chronicity, um, which is time and length of uh, care for braces for your kid's teeth and using that as an analogy for chiropractic and talking about the, the, the investment for braces. And when you break it down to yours, you're going to use reduction to ridiculous so that it's not a big issue when you talk about a two to a 3000 or $4,000 care plan. So hopefully you've got that, you know, you've understood that, that that's the basis 
to really reducing objections. Now I want to go into handling objection management. What happens when you get that objection? Now here's the first thing I want to talk about. I want you to understand this. And we're going to go back to human nature. So I'm going to preframe this with you, and I want you to write this down. Number one is that the human mind loves order and comfort. Write that down. The human mind loves order and comfort. And this is why, you know, we'll work our butts off all of our lives. We give our hard-earned money to somebody who probably makes less than us to go invest it in a a stock market that, you know, is very volatile. I mean, we love order and comfort in the sense that, hey, here's somebody who knows their stuff, and they're going to put this in a lineage, and they're going to make money because that's their belief system. So remember that. The mind loves order and comfort. People like routine. They like to have structure. They like to know where we're going with this. And number two, I want to preframe with you, is that you want to build trust first. You've heard me say this a million times, that in order for us to really rapport build and to uh, make a difference with people, we have to build trust. So remember, the human mind loves comfort and order, and then we want to build trust. Write that down because we're going to move into um, – how to handle these objections. And when you place things in order, here's the sequence. Here's what we're going to do, Mrs. Jones. We're going to do the examination today, and then we're going to develop your report and develop the x-rays, and then we're going to have you back for a report of findings where we're going to explain to you the research we do. We do. And then at that time, we're going to provide a solution for you, which is your individual one-on-one. At that time, we'll go over best recommendations, give you first adjustment. If you have that for a person, just, just like a patient, just like someone would say, and if you give me your money, I'll put it in the stock market and we'll build you 10% per year. It's the same sort of idea. So now that that's clear, let's look into handling objection management. What do you do when that patient gives you an objection? For example, and here's what I want you to do. The first thing I want you to do is listen, acknowledge, and agree. So write that down. Listen, acknowledge, and agree. Remember we said we need to build trust first. We need to get them to know that we are listening that we are acknowledging what they're saying, and then that we agree with them. So that's going to be the first step to building trust. So a patient says to you, oh, my gosh, that's expensive. You listen to their uh, concern, and you would say, I agree. You know, good health care is expensive these days. And then you'd go into the solution. But what we've done is create very cost-effective and affordable solutions that all of our patients can take advantage of. So basically, you listen, acknowledge, agree. The second step is to step in the future pacing. And I'm going to share with you two of the most powerful words. You've heard me say this before, but these are the two most powerful words. And if you use these, and I want you to write these down and get a highlighter and scribble over these two words, that if you can remember anything from this lesson, it's these two words. And those are the words if and would. So when a patient says to you, and this is where we're going to move into the second step of objection management handling, which is future pacing, with these two most powerful words, if and would, a person says to you, I can't afford that. You've had that before where you get that little lady and you say to her, you know, you've got a phase three in your spine and we need a heart care program over the year. It's going to take 88 adjustments. Uh, and she says, you know, I just can't afford that. And that's a very, very common objection. So you've already pre-framed length of time and care in your doctor's report. Um, they know it's a team approach. So you'd say to them, using the words if and would, if we could find a program that works for you, would you want the care? So 
So the if and the would separates their concern from a solution is really what it does. So anytime a person has an objection, you want to separate their concern from the solution and then tie the two together. So if we could find a program that works for you, would you want the care? They will say, yes, of course. Of course I would. Okay, well, Mrs. Jones, let's see if we can get creative and find a solution for you. So number one, we listened, acknowledged, and agree. Number two, we future pace with the keywords if and with. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to provide a solution. And number three, we're going to get creative. So this is a, an opportunity for you to, um, you know, get creative. And, you know, I tell my patients that, um, you know, we can if we can find a solution, would you want to care? And if this is a care program that's 290 a month, well, you can get creative and you can do a number of things. Number one, you can add a second-year wellness care plan. Uh, number two, you can absorb the fee on the progressing pair of exams if you're building that into your care program. I've done this many times where I've had seniors, especially seniors, they'll say, well, that's expensive. Well, if I can absorb the, the cost of the progress and comparative exam, would you want to care? And they say, yes, of course I would. That, that sounds great, Dr. Mike. So I'll absorb the 150 and you can pay the balance of the 1500 whatever it might be. You might also want to find a solution for them for a student fee. So we have a policy if somebody is a single mom or student, <coughs> disabled or employed, then that's where you might absorb uh, a part of the cost and offer them a student fee. So this is where you can get creative. You also want to know that you're committed to their care if they are. Now, this is an exclusive statement that uh, we use anytime I'm talking to my patients. So I'm going to go back and I always pre-frame uh, remembering it's a team approach. So when I talk to a person at the doctor's report, one of the key things that I use in that doctor's report is to let them know that their care pro program is a team approach, that I'm going to meet you halfway. I'm going to be here to adjust you and provide the care. I need you to attend your appointments, do your home-based tracing, and commit to your care program. So that's I'm pre-framing that at the end of the doctor's report. So this is where I'll come back to point number four, which is give them your commitment. So I always tell them, remember, this is a team approach, and I'm committed to your care if we can find a mutually beneficial solution. So I'm committed if you're committed, and if we can find a mutually beneficial solution. So that basically tells them I'm willing to work towards a solution if you are. So you can see how it all comes back to benefits and solutions. So just to recap, handling objection management, number one, listen, acknowledge, and agree. I agree. That is expensive, and good health care is expensive these days. Number two, future pace with the words if and would. If we could find a program that works for you, would you want the care? Number three is get creative. Remember, you can always reduce the um, number of adjustments. You can add a second year's wellness care plan to reduce your monthly investment. You can absorb the cost of the progress and comparative exams, or you can offer a student fee. And number four, you can give them your commitment that you're going to meet them halfway if they can meet you halfway. So that is really the brunt of what I want you to get out of, you know, the um, keys for objection management, but let's go into the top 10 objections, and I want you to make a note of this, and if you can, make three columns, and that very first column is going to be the top 10 objections, so I'm going to go through my top 10, and then we can always open it up for some Q&A after if you have objections that you struggle with, 
And then the middle column is going to be the preframe. So this is where we're going to put the objection in advance before it happens. I mean, how cool. So we're going to, so we're going to make sure that when the patient sits down with you and they go to say, uh, uh, like they're looking for an objection, they're not going to have one. And that's ultimately our goal is really to have the patient just say to you, where do I need to sign or, you know, how much is care? And let's just do that. That's ultimately what you want because at the end of the day, it's got to be, you know, bam, 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 patients are getting on care because you've handled all the objections. So that middle column is the preframe. And then the third column is going to be objection management. Remember, we're going to provide a solution. That's usually one of order or comfort or benefit. So top 10 objections, preframe, objection management. <coughs> so the very first one I've already talked about is Money, and that's usually, you know, 80, 90% of the objections you're going to have. The patient might say to you, well, that's expensive. So this allows you to move to uh, the preframe. And in the preframe, and I've said this to many of you who have coached with me, is we're always going to preframe something they're familiar with. So we seek familiarity, and that's going to be the dental braces that we use in the doctor's report that we talk about chronicity, how they have to wear braces for a year, and I usually get a volunteer to volunteer that answer, and that it takes time for correction, and that the braces can run you anywhere from 5000 up to $7,000. So the objection management for that would be, you know, if we could find a solution for you, would you want to care? Everyone says yes. <clears throat> so just remember when that money issue comes up, you've pre-framed it, doctor's report, and you've got the if and would. Objection number two is time. Now, this is where patients say, well, I can't make it three times per week. Now, here's something that I've noticed over the years. As many patients that came in day one, and you might have been in your practice for 30 to 60 minutes, right? Now, day two, they're coming back to the doctor's report. Another 30 to 60, if not more, minutes in your practice. Well, I preframe this by letting them know at the doctor's report, the very end, that the turnaround time for adjustment is about 10 minutes. I let them know that the doctor's report and examination is the longest amount of time that they have to spend in your practice. So your turnaround time is only 10 minutes. And they go, oh, okay, well, I, I'm able to get in and get out. And I let them know that, that we only see so many people per hour, and you're able to get in and get out in about 10 minutes. So that's usually not an objection, but we preframe that beforehand. Now, what if you get a patient that says, well, I can't make it three times a week? Well, if we could fit that schedule into your time schedule, which you still want to care, and of course they're going to say yes, well, Mrs. Jones, what we can do is we can adjust you at 9 o'clock, have you run over and get a coffee, and then come back at 9.30 and adjust you a second time on that same day. And that's something I've done in my practice as well. Now, if you've tried all objections and there's no way they can make it um, three times a week, then you can always look at twice a week. But let me share something with you that is genius. And I learned this from a friend of mine years ago, that the research actually shows, and this is true, that we should be seeing our patients daily. So what I do is in the doctor's report, I'm going to preframe that the best results occur daily, that the adjustments hold for 24 to 48 hours, and the best results occur daily. So when I sit with a patient, and I go over best recommendations. I say to them, ideally, we should be able, we should be seeing you daily to get the best results. However, we're going to start you at three times a week. And you know what? I never get an objection for three times. So I, th I think you see where we're going with this and how we really reduce the barriers before they actually have them. Number three. So 
this is the doctor's report, and this is a key one that they just don't have the time to come. I just I work at night, you know, um, that I can't make it. I have the kids, whatever it might be. And there's a million objections you're going to have for this one. So a number of things you can say is, well, it's only 45 minutes, um, and the solution for that objection could be, I can take you first on your individual report. Or they might say, you know, um, I can't make it because I have to work. Well, the solution for that would be, uh, we can give you um, a, an excuse letter to get out of work. Or, you know, there's no way my wife can make it because uh, she has to take care of the kids. Well, we have a separate room with a video and popcorn that we can put the kids on. I mean, you can think of a, a million ideas for the time issue, but if it really comes down to it and they say, I just can't make it, I just can't, I've tried everything and I can't make it, well, what we can do is have you back at a clinical time during the week and we can have you watch a video on the doctor's report, but it's important that you understand the research and benefits of what we do, the different types of care that we offer in order to get the best results. So this is where you can actually find a solution to get them into the doctor's report. But here's what I recommend. Everybody on this call, make your doctor's report mandatory. It is the first half of your report of findings. And that's something else that I'll preframe when a patient says they just don't want to come. So point number four on doctor's report, I don't want to come. Well, it's the first half of your report of findings and benefit in order for you to understand the second half. It's our office policy that you come to the first half. So by preframing that, I never get an objection for people to come. I also let them know that it's a team approach for you to understand the research and benefits and get involved in your care. And we also discover that a pay results results when they're at the doctor's report. How cool is that, that you put these in advance and you can knock down those hurdles before you even have them? Number five, wow, this is a big one. You've seen this one as well. I've been to a chiropractor before. I already know chiropractic. I mean, how many times have you had that? So I let them know that our best results occur um, after we've educated our patients, and it's our office policy. So on the checkout, I let them know not only is it the first half of the report of findings, but it's also our office policy that all new patients need to come. Now, the other thing you can do is play good guy, bad guy. That You can say it's the other doctor's office policy or it's the practice's policy as well. So uh, another key word that I use, similar to if and would, is uh, the words, I understand, however, um, and coming back to agreeing with a patient uh, and then flipping it to the reasons why they need to be there. So often I use the words, I understand, however, it's our office policy, or I understand, however, uh, in order to be a patient in our practice, you have to be at the first half of your report of findings. You see, you have to decide if you're running the practice or your patients. And by having a double yellow, um, uh, which is an absolute in your practice, you're going to make a better patient. As soon as you waffle on that, you're going to have patients all over the place and wonder why your numbers are not going up and why patients are leaving early and why your PVA is low. So make the doctor's report mandatory and you'll see a difference in your patients. How about, I just want to pay per visit. I mean, have you ever had that? Wow. So here's what I do. Uh, at the doctor's report, I let them know that we have care plans that 99% of our patients love. So I let them know that, you know, this is, we have care plans that are cost-effective and affordable that 99% of our patients take advantage of and absolutely love. And then as the objection, um, we also say our care plans will save you time and money. 
Um, you can also say that we don't allow a paper visit, and some doctors do say that. However, in most states and provinces, it's actually mandatory according to law that they have the option. So you can try the care plans and relate it as a benefit where they're going to save time and money on the checkout, on transactions, per per um, on saving dollars on each tra- transaction, and, of course, um, with regards to saving time and money. I mean, that's that's really the benefit of it. And, of course, I let them know that once you've made a, a payment on the care, uh, care plans, you're committed to your care and you've eliminated the finances and we can focus on your care. How about this one here? Point number seven, the most common ones that we get. I just want to use my insurance. I mean, you know, I have $500 coverage or $1,000 coverage, and people say to you, I just want to use my insurance. Well, this is where we're going to preframe uh, the need to get back to normal or wellness. And this is really important because in the in the examination, I'll preframe that the um, reason why we're doing all this examination is to determine how to correct you back towards a state of normalcy and state of wellness. So one of the objections that I'll use um, when I talk about proper corrective care that this can also take 6 to 12 to 24 months. Now, I preframe that in the doctor's report. So patients might be thinking, I've got a little bit of insurance, but I know I need correction or I know it's going to take time. And that's where I'll let them know that insurance is only designed to introduce them to correction and wellness. It's never designed to give them the amount of care that they need and deserve. So you can see how we've eliminated that by preframing this early. How about the patient says, I just want an adjustment right now. You know, I'm expecting an adjustment. So on the exam checkout, when we check them out, our next step, and this is where I'm going to preframe, our next step is to uh, prepare your report, disclose the diagnosis, get permission to adjust, and then adjust you at the report of findings. So the patient might say, well, I just want an adjustment. You know, I've been a chiropractor before, and that's where I'll come back and say, I understand, however, um, in our practice and by law, we need to review your findings, prepare a report, disclose the diagnosis, and get permission to adjust. And in actuality, that is the law in many states and provinces. So check with your governing board. So um, this is where we also will say to them, you know, um, we need to ensure that everything is safe in your examination findings. And I'll let them know to not to know is to guess. And this is really important that you come back as a benefit from them. It's sort of like a negative benefit, but you let them know that we need to check everything to make sure it's safe um, on their findings, on their on their exam findings, and not to know is to guess. And you would never guess with their health nor risk your reputation. How about another objection, which is spouse to the report of findings? I mean, this is very, very common, that on the checkout, patients might say to you, well, you know, my spouse doesn't need there. Well, this is pre-framed by letting them know the benefits of having the spouse. So in the checkout script, you talk about an office policy that your significant other attends to understand the need for care, to support you in your care, and if they're remotely involved in any financial decision-making. So we want to come back and make sure that we pre-frame that. And then in the objection management, you can always say that it's critical in our office policy that your significant other is there in order for you to get the best results. Another big one that we get, and probably the tenth greatest objection that we get, is kids. I mean, how many times have you maybe had the the family gift certificate and you've talked about kids and they just don't get the kids in for an examination? Well, 
Uh, this can be resolved by pre-framing in six key areas. And I want you to write these down because a lot of doctors miss this, and I teach this at my seminars. There's six key touch points that you want to hit uh, before um, you know the, the patient goes through to the very end of their report of findings and the recommendations of care. That if you hit these six key points, the patient is going to want to get their kids checked. So number one, it can happen at um, the first phone call, and that's when patients call in, and they would say, you know, is this uh, is this for you or your your family members? So you're going to preframe that you are a wellness um, family practice. Number two, at the examination, uh, in the examination, you can say this is you know um, uh, people um, do like things, especially in the families, and um, you know this is why we make it a policy. Uh, during the history, you can also talk about their history going back to even their birth process. So that way we can actually stress the need to get the kids checked, especially if the kids had a difficult birth. At the doctor's report, you're going to cover the research and the benefits of kids under chiropractic. On the day one checkout, you're also going to have the family gift certificate. And, of course, on the day two during the report of findings, you're also going to finish with a family health history form. And that is where uh, we give a history form to to the person, the patient, who's had the examination on day two at the doctor's report, where they're going to check off their immediate family members and the body signals that they have. So this is a way to follow up and get the, get the family in for the checkup. So these are some of the keys that we use to really remove barriers. And I'll guarantee that if you get a chance to listen to this, recording two, three times and go through and ask, you know, yourself a few questions on the top objections you get. Number one, always think, how can I spin this for a benefit as a solution for the patient? Number two, where can I pre-frame this, especially the repeated questions that objections that I get uh, my day one, day two, and day three? And number four, what are the solutions? What solutions can I actually use for this? Uh, in order to make it a benefit for the patient. If you can do that, you're going to find you're going to get rid of 99% of the problems that you have. Now, there is that one patient, and that is the PETA patient. That's the pain in the patient that you've gone through, and yet they're the ones that are adamant that they're not going to come to the doctor's report. They're only going to pay their insurance. Uh, they will come almost when they want. And this is when you have to decide if you want that headache in your practice, especially if you tell a patient they need to be with you, you know, 24, 36, 48 adjustments in order to get the best results. So here's what I discovered. That as soon as you have your patients run the asylum and they start dictating, they're going to be your worst nightmares. They don't get results. They usually drop out early. They don't talk favorably about you nor give you great reviews. And there's a patient that typically either drops out early or just comes back acute six or 12 months later. Now, here's what I discovered. You get to decide how you run your practice. And this is why we call it the sandbox rule. By having your double yellows, your procedures that you and your staff have agreed to, that patients are at the doctor's report, that they have to bring their spouse, that patients are getting on a care program um, with the default to the paper visit, then you have to decide how you want to run your practice, and the patient either falls into that or falls out. Now, I'm an advocate that at least, and here's the sort of compromise, at least you've said your, your, you know, your policies, at least you followed through, 
And if the patient is adamant about a paper visit, let them paper visit, let them drop out because that patient is the one that's going to um, usually uh, not speak favorably about you or you tell the patient that this practice is not for you and for them and that you have to refer them to somebody else because they're not going to follow your rules. So the choice is yours. Um, I've discovered over the years I was very adamant about following my rules. Um, now I just I follow my scripts, I say my bid, and I let that patient do what they want to do if they're adamant about paying per visit. This way I don't piss any patients off in my practice. I don't get them upset. But on the dropout, when they do drop out, I do follow up with these people. I let them know that problem relapses, they're welcome back in. So, And that's going to be that one in a 100, maybe that 5%. Uh, the choice is yours. So you really have a choice on how you want to conduct business with those patients. So what I'm going to do is open up the call. And, um, you know, the lines are open for those of you who want to, um, you know, ask a question. Uh, the lines are open. So just feel free to jump on if you have a, a question. We have a number of doctors um, who are on this call today. Um, and um, you can ask your questions. So let's discuss some of the objections that you have in practice that you're having difficulty with. So who's our first caller? And um, who has a question? Quiet group. You guys are taking copious notes. All right. Yeah, who's this? This is Elizabeth Sisk. Hi. Hey, Dr. Sisk. Thanks for being on tonight. What's your question? You mentioned about um, one of the options on care plans is being able to carry over into the second year, some of the expense of was it specifically exams and how you do that? Well, let's take for example. Let me just give give an extreme case. And let's say we did a year's care plan of eighty eight adjustments, and it came out to thirty four hundred dollars. Now that thirty four hundred dollars, if we sort of divided that by you know twelve months, that would probably come out to about maybe two hundred ninety dollars, for example. And patient says, I just can't afford that. Well, what you can do is a number of things. You can reduce frequency if you had to. Maybe an 88 might bring down to a 72, and that would reduce the monthly. Uh, you can use an objection that, you know, if we could find a care program that worked for you, would you want the care? And what I've done in the past is I've shown an option of adding the second year of wellness care. So a second year of wellness plan, too, would be an additional 26 adjustments plus the 88, which would come out to about, you know, 114 adjustments. And that would work out to about 57 adjustments on average per year. So that would reduce their monthly down maybe to about 190. So that's an alternative. Um, or you can absorb some of the progress in comparative exams. So you have a choice to either add a second year, um, if they fall within being a um, single mom or a student, you can give them a student fee. I'll give you a prime example. We have a lady who was in last week, and a senior lady, um, you know, on a pension. She is desperate for the care. She's a chiropractic patient, definitely needs it. She's tried everything else. She's come to us out of desperation. And, you know, we worked a care program for her based on an adult fee of 45 but on a student fee of 35 And we created a win-win situation. So this is where you need to be creative, Elizabeth, and flexible, because here's the way I see it. I would rather have you be creative and flexible and not give away care, but be creative to add a second care, a year care. Um, ask yourself uh, if they're working, um, then I, I don't compromise on the fee. I don't give it away like 
some coaching programs do. But I will help out those um, one in ten or one in twenty that do need, you know, a financial break. Or you can reduce frequency and add a. I've done that before too. I've taken an eighty-eight and dropped it to seventy-two and added a second year of a twenty-six and a wellness plan too. So this is where you need to be creative and find out what works for you in your practice. Great, thank you. All solutions work. Just remember this: there's always a solution to the challenges. Okay, see see these as opportunities uh, for solutions. All right. Any other questions? All right, guys, go through this, look at your notes, listen to this as a repeat, and I have had a lot of requests to film objection management, so we're going to start filming these and putting these on the new library. Just watch for those, and that way you can have cheat sheets with the videos to watch how we do this. So until our next Power Talk, Master Talk, CA Black Belt Call, or Mastermind Inner Circle Call, guys, keep practicing with passion. I love and appreciate you. We'll see you all soon.